Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode, the first of a two-parter, I spoke with Jason Boyd, an American expat who's now living, working and making music in Guangzhou, China. Jason and I get into his expat journey and how it's taken him to Honduras, Croatia and now on to China. On the music front, Jason describes how he started out in Washington State as a teenager and playing the bars and clubs of Seattle. We explore the joys of whisper singing, why every town and city should have an open mic night and the wizard metal band with lyrics about Ikea. Mm. Without further ado, Jason Boyd. Joining me today is Jason Boyd. Jason, it's great to meet you virtually. How's it going? And I'm doing very well. It's a nice uh, nice Friday evening here in Dortmund, and uh, I know you're joining me at the, the very rock and roll hour of, what, half past one or something now? About 1.30 in the morning over here in China. It's an, an appropriate rock and roll time to start something. There you go. I took a big disco nap before this uh, podcast, oh. so... I think when you get to a certain vintage, you know you're allowed these things, right? It's all good. Uh, Jason, where I'd like to start, though, is your backstory. This is usually where with people that are, are guesting on the podcast. And it's about how did you end up where you are today? What was your journey? Uh, my overseas journey? Uh, okay, so I guess I've been overseas for about 14 years. Uh, my first overseas teaching gig, I, taught, I, I went to uh, the Iowa Teaching Fair which uh, is like a big, huge overseas uh, recruitment fair. And um, uh, I got my first gig was in Honduras. So I was in La Ceiba, Honduras for three years. After that, I moved to Croatia for three years. And now I'm in China for eight. And we're talking, this is your your work journey, as it were, right? The the thing that pays the bills. That's, That's the day job journey. Um, I've did bands in, in all of those cities as well. So, I mean, I've, I've sort of worked my way. I, I've always done bands everywhere I go. So How did you get into playing? This is like kind of one of the, the things I get asked about. Where did it all start for you? What was your way into playing music? Oh, like in my youth? Yeah, um, yeah. because for some of us, it's like you have older. I'm the oldest of three, three boys, yeah. right? So I, I, I get to do the stuff first. But for many people, they, fall, they look at their brother's record collection or, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I was a little punk rocker in a small town in in Washington State. You know, I mean, I learned to play guitar from books before you know, it was before the internet. You couldn't just go online and get tablature. You had to like ask for a book for Christmas. And uh, I mean, I basically learned guitar from the Nirvana book. You know, for Nevermind. I basically just learned every song on Nevermind and. That's about all I ever, you know, I, I never actually got that much past that <laughs> in terms of guitar ability. Um, and then I just started writing songs and, you know, you, you've, you, I met kids at school and we started a rock and roll band in the garage and we did the garage band and then eventually we got good enough to record. And we, you know, made, made a tape. This was back in the day when you made tapes. So, you know, I had a tape and you'd start taking it around to people and we showed it to people. Eventually, you know, some people gave us a show and we started doing shows. Uh, little punk rock shows 
you know, we got good enough to, we did a CD at one point, <laughs> you know, this is my high school band. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it fell apart when we went to college. Um, so uh, that, that's, that, that was my early rock and roll life. When I went to college, then I actually switched. I wanted, I always wanted to be a drummer. So I bought a drum set. And uh, I learned how to play drums from there. Um, I was a sort of punk rock drummer for a couple of years. I, I was never a great drummer. I only knew like five beats, you know, I, and I kind of just worked them into all the songs, you know, <laughs> but, but it was good enough to play, play in a punk rock band. Um, That's all that counts, man. I guess you have to, you just have to know what BPM you're going at. Not like, you know, yeah. not, you're not counting, but the, the tempo of the songs, right? I just followed, the, I, I think I was pretty good at following the guitarist, you know, like whatever the rhythm of the song was, you know, you just kind of followed that. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't a lead drummer. If you played guitar already at this point, you probably had a good idea of where it was going anyway. Yeah. Which um, one do you prefer then? Would you say you're a, you're a drumming guitar player or a guitar player who plays drums? I, I would definitely say I'm a singer that plays guitar and a little bit of drums at this point. Uh, I mean, I always wanted to be a singer. That was my main thing I really wanted to do. Like when I was a little punk rocker guitarist guy in the band, I really just wanted to sing uh, and they wouldn't let me even sing backup because I was so bad and off key. So I had to sort of, <laughs> teach, myself. I had to sort of teach myself how to sing. And that's, how, it's tough to, I mean, I, I never liked lessons in anything. I never took a lesson in guitar or drums or, or anything. So I, the way I learned to sing was I would just, uh, you know, I would drive around with a tape deck in and just sing at the top of my lungs because, you know, it's I'm by myself. I'm sealed off. I don't you know, so I'm in college, so I'm not around roommates. So I would just drive around uh, Seattle in the middle. Of, I was in Seattle at, in, at University of Washington. I would just drive around Seattle at night and just sing along as loud, you know, at full volume blasting uh, with songs. And basically I would find songs that I could sing. And once I found a song that like fit my voice or my range or I could actually like pull it off then I'd learn to play that on guitar and then I had a song that I could play on guitar and sing. Uh, we all have different ways of learning these kind of things eh? because a lot of people they, they'll ask me how, how did you start playing drums and I just it was something that was in my head you know it was I connected with something somewhere in my you know, 14 line when I got my first drum set but yeah it's kind of hard to to explain it to people. And that's a great example, actually, of how you learn to sing, right? You go, you're sitting and I had a friend who used to walk two, two, three miles a night and he would just sing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just get out really loud. How do you learn to sing? You sing a lot. You just sing and keep singing until you stop sucking. And it takes a while. My next sort of phase in singing was playing on the beach. So I'd go out to the beach in, in Alki Beach in West Seattle, uh, you know, on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And I'd go out there with a big thing of, of uh, white wine in a, in a fake Gatorade bottle. And I would just, uh, I would just sing. Uh, on the beach, you know, so that was sort of, you know, how, how to get good at it. It's like, you know, if, if one person stopped and watched me, it was, it was awesome. It was amazing, you know, and then eventually I got to the point where people would actually like give me money and that was kind of exciting. So I would just sort of pay for my booze for the day by singing on the beach. And I would just sing for, I would sing for hours, hours and hours out there, just singing as loud as I could. Because this is one of the, the tips that I got about singing was you have to really get you know, the full power of your lungs, you know, it's like, I read something the other day that was from a band, a singer in a band called Glass Vegas. And they were performing on this BBC show with Jules Holland, you know, the guy used to make Squeeze and all that. He has this big music show. And also on the same show where it was either Jack White or the White Stripes, one of them. So off stage, Jack White asked the singer of this band from Glass Vegas, he said, what kind of distortion pedal do you use for your voice? 
And he said, I just sing really loud. He said, I don't have one, I just sing really loud. He said, Jack White went, cool. <laughs> so then, that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's all yeah. it takes out again. Yeah. I mean, so I've been playing for some time then, yeah. Singing loud is such an important part of it too. It's, you know, there's a lot of folks nowadays are sort of learning to sing by getting a microphone and going on GarageBand and doing it in their living room. And I mean, that's great. I love GarageBand. I love recording and stuff like that. But I feel like a lot of folks don't know, don't really learn how to sing out. You know, you got like, who's that chick with, who's that chick with the green hair? It's really popular right now. She's like a teenager, wins all the grand. Uh, Billie Eilish? Billie Eilish, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, obviously she sounds great on all those recordings, but she's singing at like really low decibel volume most of the time and you know obviously it works for her and everything but I, I think there's a like gonna be a whole generation of kids that think that they can get away with just sort of whispering into a microphone and it's like well, it's gonna be kind <laughs> of like but yeah. it, it's, maybe it's a fad maybe it's one of these things that goes it just goes in a cycle because let's say 10 years yeah I think so. Adele came out and she was doing the opposite she was like really screaming like scream. well she came out during that whole uh um what do you call it? Like the American Idol era where everybody sort of scream sings, you know, everybody it's, you know, everybody's just sort of waiting for you to like hit that, ah! you know, like that weird screaming high note and everybody's like, Oh, clap, clap. I love that. It's like, I can't stand listening to people like that. Go to a show or something. If you see somebody like yelling at you like that, you're not going to want to listen to that for hours. I, I guess it's just impressive. I don't know. But you know, the, I think the the sort of whisper singing is going to be, like they're gonna look back on it. it's like oh yeah I remember 2018 when whisper singing was like a big thing you know oh, like, was, it, was it two years ago maybe three years ago when Sam Smith was and I was like God do we have to listen to any more of this stuff you know <laughs> it's just awful well, I'll take Sam Smith over Billy Eilish any day <laughs> oh man yeah I guess we're getting old eh? <laughs> you know, keep... speaking of music then uh, or in at least this kind of genres and stuff what what were you listening to as a kid and has it changed much as you've got yeah, sure. It changes. I mean, you get older and you sort of hit a wall at some point and it's hard to kind of get into new music. You're not really buying records anymore. But what was I listening to as younger? I mean, I, I guess, you know, the first big wave of music I was was just being a metalhead, you know, like, so it was just, you know, Guns N' Roses and Metallica and Slayer and Megadeth and Nuclear Assault. You know, I went, I got down into the lower echelons of thrash metal. I wasn't even just you know, at those top guys. You know, when you've got a nuclear assault album in your in your collection, you know you're a metalhead. Yeah, Voivoid or Napalm Death and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like the death death <laughs> stuff. But at least have a little melody to it. But but then like, I, so I was a sort of a metalhead until I discovered punk rock, and then that sort of changed everything. You know, I think I heard the first punk band I was really super into was Bad Religion. Uh, you know, Minor Threat. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Green Day, you know, the Kerplunk album. Green Day came through, like, I was at Eastern Washington, Green Day came through our town. It was like a huge deal. This was back when they were, you know, before they were super stars. So, uh, you know, like Kerplunk era. Um, but uh, yeah, so like pop punk was pretty cool. It, all that punk rock stuff, it just kind of nuked, it kind of nuked uh, heavy metal for me. You know, it wasn't cool to listen to heavy metal anymore. It was like, heavy metal was lame. You had to retire um, the patch jacket kind of thing. You just kind of gently, you gently stop wearing it gradually. I don't know if I need all these Megadeth posters anymore. You know, do <laughs> I need a Metallica shirt every day of the week? Uh, but, you know, grunge kind of took off. I was in Washington State, so, you know, you, you know Nirvana, Soundgarden, uh, Alice in Chains, all that, all that stuff. 
At least you didn't have to get a haircut, man. You could still do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that, that wasn't a huge, it's not a huge step from heavy metal into like, you know, Nirvana Bleach album is, is not a huge no, difference. Right. No, the first album is a bit more raw, I think, of the three. Yeah. It's, there's not any, so, there's less solos than your average metal album, but it's still kind of got that same kind of power to it. Uh, and then I was sort of into that, but then the sort of next transformation was getting, you know, and I actually kind of like was old enough to start like going to rock and roll shows, uh, punk rock shows in town was actually seeing, you know, real live bands that, that, you know, like local music that was coming through bands from like Spokane or, you know, Yakima or just, you know, other small towns in Eastern Washington that were coming through my city. Um, and that was like a huge step or, or seeing local bands that like were actually local bands and that that was a huge change for me because that's really what inspired me to like play guitar and be in a band I was like oh I, I can do this you mean I don't have to play football uh, I don't have to like own the, the fucking wrestling team you know I can actually like go do something else I could go be a punk rocker I'm, I'm in I'm sold dye my hair <laughs> for some of us it doesn't take much persuasion man. yeah so it was something to do and then it became you know then it becomes your became my identity you know it was, was my identity was the punk rocker so you know then then all i listened to then i even got past sort of mainstream stuff and then i was actually listening to you know smaller stuff like you know i had friends that were like super into like modest mouse you know back be, be, again before they blew up like when they were yeah, in the early, they, they did were some sort of stuff with johnny man at one point of years ago all right they've been around uh, for a time modest mouse maybe i think johnny man was part of the band even was he I think maybe playing with them, maybe on that, like that when they got super big for like a year. Yeah, or something. it was like one or two albums, maybe. Uh, but I, I knew them back. I hate saying I knew them back when, but they were they were like a big band in, in Washington State because they were from around there. So, uh, so I saw them and uh, it was, I saw them play a couple times, and you know that that was you know a huge influence. You know that kind of blew your mind. You know, but then just other weirder stuff. Like I get super into like sort of weird art rock discord. Like Shudder to Think was like super popular with all my friends. You know, it's like it's like what's popular on the mainstream, and then it's like all of you know. There was like me and like fifteen other dudes, and like all we did was listen to Shudder to Think. And we're like, this is the best band that's ever been. We got all that wore that tape out. You know. Yeah, man, that sounds like fun. Anyway, you know, what about the difference then when you were you were starting out playing in your your punk band and so on you were playing all originals at that time yeah you could not play covers in 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 my hometown you would just be we did play covers on my very first show and we didn't know what we were doing and people laughed at us. <laughs> i think that's the same story for just about everybody they thought we were morons that was um yeah no you nobody played covers you all played your original shit even though it ended up kind of sounding a lot the same you know a lot of the bands still kind of sound you know kind of influenced off each other to the point that you get like sort of a music scene that all sort of sounds a little bit homogenized but yeah so we you know we, we uh played originals wrote my own songs and can i take in that to the next step then since you you've you've been you excuse me you've lived in three separate continents, eh? like Central America, Europe, and now uh, based in China. What about the, the songs that you're playing to crowds there? Well, before I left, when I was still in Seattle, I made the crossover into a cover band, into being, into doing cover songs. Like I said, I used to play on the beach all the time, play in, you know, 
busking and uh you know they don't care about your originals they want to hear a song they know so um you know you just you playing off the crowd you know they, i guess you know i guess you know sitting in the dock of the bay then right uh, i didn't do that one but i mean you're just you know they want the fucking u2 songs you know just like <laughs> whatever's popular and if you learn a song that's like popular right then you know they'll throw money at you it's great but they regardless they just stop and listen you know i mean that's what you want you know you want to entertain somebody you're you're there to entertain people you know i mean sometimes you know i'd play some song they'd never heard of some weird obscure you know song and they'd be into it and i'd be like that's great but more often than not they're not into it they want to hear a song they know at least kind of. So that's when I switched to doing covers. And then I, I, I started a cover band. Uh, it was just like an acoustic duo. So me and another guy playing acoustic and we'd go play bars and we actually got paid. And that was, that was, there's a real change from being a punk rocker where you have to like bring your own fans and, you know, book a show and you'd play like once every other month. This is bullshit. This yeah. Is you want to do really, you have to go all the heavy lifting, right? Yeah, and, and it's you, you don't have to show up when I was a drummer, you'd have to show up and bring your own drum set. It sucks. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're really good and you're really committed and you can, you know, pull it off and actually get grow a following and you're amazing, you know, you can pull it off. But I, I don't know, either I wasn't good enough or I didn't care enough or whatever, but I never, I, I never, none of the bands I was ever in really, really pushed it far enough to, to make it worthwhile to, uh, to be an original band. But then you switch over to the land of covers and it's a whole, it's a completely different ball game. You know, it's, you know, you got to know massive number of songs, you know, you have to, you have to, cause when people come up, they will they'll be like, you know, we played at Irish bars and if we didn't know some Irish songs, they'd just be Irish people like furious at us. <laughs> Hell has no fury. Yeah, they're like, you don't know the fucking Pogues? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so so we started doing, I started doing cover bands. And again, like I said, it was it blew my mind. I was like, wait, I'm actually getting paid and free drinks and people like it. And I don't have to bring any people. I just have to show up and play, you know. Yeah, and have a good time, like, you know, and the people enjoy it. Yeah, people ignore you a lot of times, but I'm okay with that. Is They're not there to see me. I'm part of the ambiance, so. <laughs> yeah. That's one we have put. Uh, anyways, I started doing cover bands. I went to when I went to Honduras. I continued my acousto cover bands. So it was an acoustic duo. We used to play it at a bar in Honduras. Uh, it was me and a bass player. He's played like stand up bass, and it was like a he, he was like a concert trained like bass, like double bass player, like you know the, the, the ones that you can't fit inside a taxi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he barely did. He had to carry that thing around. <laughs> Uh, this but is when you need lackeys, right? Yeah, and he was a, uh, you know, he was a professional, or he was like, he was like in concerts, so he's musically trained, so I'd be like playing my, my pop songs, so I'd be like, okay, so this one goes G, C, D, and he'd be like, yeah, I got it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I got your little one, four, five combo there, let's do it. <laughs> I didn't go to Berkeley for nothing, you know? So, uh, so I did that when, that was my, that was my Honduras band, then I moved to Croatia, and uh, in Croatia, I did uh, another acoustic band in this in this uh, little basement bar called Titush, and we'd go and, and I'd play there. And I had a, a guy play a cajon, and that was really great, like because you get a guy in a cajon, that, and you have me and a guy in an acoustic, and you kind of got a band. And if it's in a small, tight little place like I was playing, it sounds awesome. You really fill that place up, yeah. and you're screaming. And, I was doing kind of like, you know, started learning like gypsy music. We played like Gogo Bordello and people would go bananas for it. It was great. 
it maybe fits in with the vibe as well where you are yeah, geographically for sure yeah i mean those those folks would party the croatians would just drink shlebovitz and rocky all night and party sounds like a fine <laughs> combo and bringing bringing things kind of up to date now jason what's it like uh, playing in china how, how does that work? uh so China was the first place that I actually, I fronted a full band. So I finally graduated to getting like a full band. So when I first landed in China, my first like week here or something, I went to an open mic and I just went and I played acoustic and sang a bunch of songs. And as soon as I got off stage, the sound guy came up to me and he's like, Hey, that's pretty good. And I was like, great. Thanks. He's like, uh, you got a band? And I'm like, no. And he's like, can you get one by Saturday? <laughs> like, I can try, and I just went around at school and I asked. I was like, "Well, who's? Is there anybody here play? You know, play instruments or something?" And there was basically they had there was a band that was sort of around there before me that like Norm was in that, and then uh, 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 there was you know two other guys and bass player and a lead guitar. So we had a, we had a full band. So basically, we learned a bunch of songs, and I think we were playing like that next weekend. And I this is where your one four five training comes in a real treat, you know. Yeah, it's when you, you know, you know a bunch of open mic-y kind of songs that have, you know, you learn like, you know, like with or without you, the chords never change, four chords, it never changes, you know, even if you don't know the song, you can make it through the song, so, so yeah, so, we, you know, we, we put a band together and played a show, started playing shows that weekend, you know, and we never, I never stopped, I've been playing for, been playing more or less every weekend for eight years now, that's the nice thing about China, we've got like lots of gigs. I turned, I've turned down tons of gigs, you know. Is there a certain uh, part of the town, well, let's just call it part of the city rather, where, you know, the entertainment district is, or are you quite spread out through different parts of the city? Uh, well, I had a sort of home base bar, which is like that bar I played open mic at. It was called Hoolies. It was like an Irish pub, and they had a, uh, a big soundproof uh, second floor where they had a full stage and a, you know, it was, it's a full rock and roll venue, you know, with an actual stage and monitors and everything. So uh, that, that was sort of our home base. We played there, like we were this, we became the Saturday band. So we were the Saturday band. We played there every Saturday, more or less for eight years off and on. Um, but then, you know, we started, then we found, you know, from there we found a bunch of other Bunch of other places in other cities, so we we would uh, play Saturdays Hoolies in in Guangzhou, and then Friday we'd go out and play Dongguan or Guizhou or Zhuhai or Hong Kong and Shenzhen. You know, we'd just go around and play all these other cities. So we'd road trip on Friday, go home and crash, and then go up Saturday night and play another show on Saturday. So there's a there's a real buzz for live music. Then you know, it's 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 yeah, definitely on the rise. I mean, taking out the whole. COVID situation, but you know, we're talking. That's a different uh, podcast. Yeah, it does, it does well. I mean, um, they, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think bars with, with live music do better. You know, you can make a ton of money in, in, in a single night just because you just get people to stay there really late and, you know, drink a lot of beer. I mean, that's what it comes to, down to. I mean, they don't, you know, the music is just there to get people to drink beer. You know? It's like it's like movie theaters. They're, that's just a bunch of flashing lights they put on the screen so you'll buy popcorn. You know, I mean, there's the real economy of this whole thing. Because <laughs> there's no cut. They don't. They don't uh, charge you to get. You know, but it's free. There's no cover charge. 
Um, most most places in in China, you can't do a cover charge. Band is free. So anyway, so I, yeah, that was my main thing. Uh, I, eventually, we got pretty good at it, and you know, made friends in other bands, and I hosted open mic for a while, and then I started getting asked to 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 join other bands. So I uh, this the uh, there was this uh, Pink Floyd cover band. There was like a seven piece Pink Floyd cover band in town. That's big shoes to fill. Well, super serious. The main guy that runs it actually owns an amplifier company here in, in China. Uh, it's an Italian guy, but he's just the dude who's obsessed with Pink Floyd. That's like all he cares about. I don't think he's ever listened to anything else. I think he just, <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he's learned all those Gilmore solos, like note for note. He has like a guitar pedal board that's like, you know, the size of a coffee table. Uh, but anyway, so he asked me, like, you know, they they went through singers before, and then I, I think I sang with them at, at open mic nights before or something. I'd jump up and do Brick in the Wall with them or something. And he asked me to to officially join the Pink Floyd band, so I, I became the Pink Floyd singer guy. And that was great because I didn't have to bring a guitar. I just had to sing. I just I would show up with a piece of paper with some lyrics on it, you know. I didn't have to call any gears, the greatest. Oh, that's half the battle. The other half is remembering to take it with you when you're done. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got everything, you know? Yeah, so so I did Pink Floyd Band for a while, and then, just to make life even more complicated, the drummer in the Pink Floyd Band met a guy that was starting a Beatles cover band, and they asked me to join that and sing with that one, too. So for a short period of time, I was in a ridiculous number of bands. So then we... The Beatles cover band was pretty serious. The The bass player was in a, a band in Beijing called the Beijing Beatles. And they were like a very serious, you know, Beijing tribute band, as in costumes. They had like the the, uh, the Shea Stadium ones, you know, with the badges. And uh, uh, well, these were all expats, uh, Jason. Yeah, it was all expats. You know, every once in a while you get like one or two members of, that are local Chinese, but generally it's usually expat. You know, maybe you get a Chinese drummer now and again, but that's about it. Um, but uh, anyway, so then I joined the Beatle band and then we started the Beatles show and, you know, I had to learn three sets of Beatles songs. Uh, I was John. We wore wigs. You know, we had, and we got, you know, the, uh, the Beijing Beatles had the, the, um, the Shea Stadium. So we went with the sort of suits and then, you know, we got the Sgt. Pepper outfits and stuff. So we, we do our first set in the, in the in suits and then we do our second set in the in the sergeant pepper outfits cool i've done a few beatles things in myself in the past but yeah it's years ago we uh some friends and i we organized what did we call it? we called it soul versus the beatles and it was we got maybe 20 25 musicians in different bands and basically we made a couple of bands as well or different people around and people just got to pick their favorite beatles songs and play them Oh, and we, we, we did it for charity. We raised, yeah, we raised quite a good bit of money for that. We also did a Rolling Stones night as well for one of those. Mm. They're, they're fun. I mean, it's, you, you can't really go yeah. wrong you know, if you do it reasonably well. Yeah, we did. We would do stuff like that every once in a while, mainly when, like, you know, somebody died. So, like, when Bowie died, we did a big Bowie night, and, you know, and learned as many Bowie songs as we could to, to do Bowie night. <laughs> Yeah, it takes us in many different paths. Eh? What What about the crowds, though? Uh, you get you're getting a, a good mix of both expats and and locals. Yeah, I'd say it's a good. I'd say it's a good mix. You know, no no place no place in China can survive just on expats. You got to have locals supporting it and being there and excited about it. Otherwise, you know, it's you're just not going to have enough people. There's not enough expats to support that. 
so yeah, I'd say, you know, it's a mix, different times, different places, different mixtures, but you know, it's always a mix. And I'm guessing from what you just said, the, the, the bars go quite late, so you can play till one, two in the morning? Yeah, usually, usually one, usually show, you know, stop at one and then, you know, hang out and usually, usually try and shut down around two, just cause you know, you're starting to run into gray legal area at that point after two o'clock. So uh, I usually try, I usually try and get out the door by two. I mean, there's definitely been late nights beyond that, but in general, I try and get, try and get out of there by two. And what you're playing two or three sets of 45 minutes to an hour? Yeah, at uh, Hoolies, I do three 45s. So we do three, three sets of 45s. Other places, sometimes it's two sets. Uh, you know, Beatles band or, or, or Pink Floyd band, we, was, we did um, two sets usually. I was in an original band too. That was fun. Uh, they, they used to have a big battle of the bands here at, um, uh, at Hoolies. So it was a huge, huge thing. Every band came out and, you know, came to, to battle at the battle of the bands. Uh, so, uh, you know, one year I, I had a bunch of, I had some friends that we kind of like chatted about doing a band before and we, you know, battle of bands was coming up. I was like, well, let's get, let's get it together. Let's, let's do this. And this guy was just, just a metalhead, just a pure death metal guy. He's an Italian guy. <laughs> Mateo and so we start he started doing all this metal stuff and I was like yeah okay and I was like playing guitar and I'm like I'm not up for this you know I'm like I'm not up in this same mode so I got this other, I found this Danish guy Chris that I that I brought in I was like this is the metal guy this guy's gonna this guy's gonna take our metal to the next level so then we had two raging metal guitarist guys okay and then I just grabbed Norm my bass player from my regular band and then I also, you know, this is just the, the, the nice thing about playing in open mic nights and just playing with a lot of other people. You just sort of knew a lot of people. I knew this right. Filipino guy who was all about the double kick and he <laughs> triggered kick, and he triggered his kick drum. He was all about triggering his double kick drum. That was his like his whole thing. So we got that guy. So we did, and then I had the two, you know, raging guitarists and then swag on bass. You can fill that in. And then, so I just had to sing and then, you know, they're doing these metal songs and, you know, I'm trying to work out how to sing them. And I don't know, one day I was just like, okay, uh, can we, I, I, you know, we got to decide what kind of metal we are. And I was like, I want to be like wizard metal. I want to be like write songs about dragons and broadswords and shit. You know, I don't want to be like political <laughs> about death or anything. I, I want to be straight up fucking like, you know, you know, laser swords and shit like that. Yeah. And so we start, and I was like, and I was like, I think we should all dress in 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 monk robes and and go on stage and you know be dressed in in robes, uh, and <laughs> you know like wizards. And he's like, all right, sure. And so I wrote all you know all the lyrics were all about wizard stuff. Usually, and a lot of about a lot of the lyrics were about IKEA. I just had <laughs> it was either I just added that surreal edge to the whole image, right? Yeah, I just I mean I you know we couldn't take it too seriously, but so it was it was either like dragons and broadswords or ikea but it was about like you know the power of the woods and the hex and key you know it's like the hex key that you build your ikea stuff with um so you got the hex and key you know so i got all these like dumb wizard songs anyway so we dressed in robes and i was like you know we're getting our robes ready and uh uh on we just bought them on you know chinese amazon like taobao and uh and i was like okay so we should all match you know and then we'll all wear like red robes and i was like wait okay i want to wear a white robe and then i'm gonna get blood i'm gonna get blood packets and as i'm doing the show i'll be chewing the blood packets and spitting blood out and by the end of the night i just want this like giant red you know 
stain going down my my white robe like because it'll look it'll look metal you know like just blood bloody red robe white robes i thought that would look cool the problem i didn't really think out about this was was there is a there is a uh, a precedent set for white robes uh it, it being the kkk i was thinking about this just as <laughs> Yeah, and I, it never occurred to me. And then, so we took a photo shoot, and everybody was wearing their red robes, and I had my white robe, and I was like, yeah, we look metal, and I had a gong, so I was like, I was going to play the gong in my, in my dumb band that sings songs about dragons and wizards. And I didn't even think about it, and then somebody mentioned it. They were like, oh, that's weird. This, like, the, you know, why, why is there a guy in the clan? I'm like, what? No, no, I'm a wizard. It's like, yeah, like a grand wizard. I'm like, oh, shit! You know, like, I'm like, I didn't think about it. So I went home and I just grabbed a marker and I just drew like as much sort of like crazy, like I drew the giant symbol from HP Lovecraft's Necronomicon on the chest. Mm -hmm. Like this, you know, like just as much weird, like satanic -y looking stuff on it. Like they can't claim I'm racist if I'm satanic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know, you know, some people were still like, that's a weird or a white boy wearing a white robe. I'm like, God damn it. Fucking KKK. <laughs> I should have spit the blood. I didn't spit the blood either. That was my other mistake. How did you get on in the, the overall competition, the battle of the bands? Uh, we did pretty good. Uh, we, we, we really slapped the band together really quickly. So we, we kind of screwed up. We, we, made, we did great the first night. Uh, there was, you know, different rankings. And then we made it to the final night, but we kind of screwed up the final. I think we got like third or fourth or something in the end. But uh, we could have done better if we didn't totally geek at the last night because we just didn't have enough songs so we had to like learn songs we were like literally practicing like two hours before the show and we we're like trying to like make up a bridge to one of our songs and like learn these covers and there's no, no one will notice kind of thing you know yeah, we'll be all yeah right. you know I, I wanted to do magic tricks on stage that's what i thought was really funny too like i thought it'd be hilarious if i did really bad magic tricks on stage <laughs> acted like it was a big deal, you know? So I got like this cane that like turned into a thing of flowers or something, you know? <laughs> so like in the middle of a song, I was like, whoa, look at that. Where did the flowers come from? I'm the devil, you know, like that kind of shit. We'll be back with the second part with Jason in the not too distant future, but where can you find more of the Can't Find My Way Home podcast previous episodes? Don't forget that you can hear us because that's what we do best. You can hear us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and our homepage on anchor.fm. Simply search for Can't Find My Way Home on Facebook, Expat Music Pod or search for Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at can't.findmywayhome. There's also our YouTube page where you'll find episodes, video clips, funnily enough, and a whole bunch of playlists featuring the songs and artists that we talk about. Like, share, subscribe, tell your pals, all that good stuff. Stay safe, and I'll see you back here for the next one really soon. Cheers.